What's up, everybody, and welcome to the inaugural episode of The Cut. We're here to give you as much mediocre fancy football advice as you could possibly handle. I'm your host, Sean Ward. I'm here with Christian Williams. Christian, how's it going? It's going pretty well. Just ate some dinner, had some turkey burgers, so I'm feeling pretty refreshed. Well, there you go. That's all you need there to start the podcast here. And I'm also here with Randy Hall. Randy, how's things down there in Norwalk? Uh, it is. It's things in Norwalk. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> uh, I'm hoping to wake up a little bit more and go eat dinner. <laughs> Can't beat that. <laughs> So uh, let me give you guys a quick run through of what we're going to be going over. This is just a podcast that we'll be talking mainly about fancy football, giving you some recaps along with starters going forward that you could be targeting. Any kind of lineup questions, we're here to answer them. Today's podcast, we'll be recapping all 16 of week one of the NFL, along with giving you our must starts for week two. We'll go ahead and dive right into it here. We had Bears Packers on Thursday Night Football. 10-3 final in favor of Green Bay. Both quarterbacks looked a little bit rough. It looked like a fifth preseason game. I think that was part of the result of guys not getting any kind of work. Uh, Aaron Jones, 13 carries for 39 yards, no passing work. Uh, on the Bears' side, it was definitely a running back by committee. Mike Davis played down the stretch when the Bears were attempting to tie the game or take the lead. David Montgomery clearly looked like the best back on the team, but he only had six carries for 18 yards. Randy, are you worried about the Bears' backfield and the uh, ceiling of uh, David Montgomery this year? Uh, worried, no. It's first game, like we said earlier, they both looked awful. Uh, Montgomery is clearly the better back. He's going to end up getting all the carries down the line here. The He's good in the passing game with that amazing catch. We're, we're looking good down the stretch here. Absolutely. I think that one another thing about it with Tariq Cohen was the fact that he didn't get any carries, but he was lined up in the slot. It looked like that's what Matt Nagy is trying to use him for in that offense. I think he's somewhat of a glorified wide receiver. PPR leagues, he could probably be a flex play and possibly an RB2, but... I do think it might cut into Anthony Miller's role. I think that you could probably hold Anthony Miller for at least one more week, but if he does have another 0.0 outing with one target, you could probably cut ties with him. Uh, one other thing to note is Geronimo Allison, no catches, no yards, and no targets. It does look like Marquez Valdez-Scantling is the clear wide receiver two out there. Moving on to Falcons-Vikings. Vikings 28, Falcons 12. Vikings did dominate for the entire first half before the Falcons made a little bit of a run down the stretch. Matt Ryan did have only 111 passing yards in the first half. Falcons had two turnovers, couldn't really get much going. Christian, are you worried at all about Matt Ryan, or do you think it was just more of a product of the first game of the year, kind of like what happened with the Eagles last season? I wouldn't say I'm worried. He ended up fine in uh, PPR leagues. I think he ended up QB 13 or 14. Um, I'm not sure, actually, after that Monday night game. But um, he was fine statistically. I think that a lot of that came from his reliance on Austin Hooper. Uh, nine for 77. I don't know that you're going to see that every week, but it is a a good sign for any Austin Hooper owners um, that he was actually looking his way. Um and going along with that, Julio and Calvin Ridley were fantasy relevant. So 
I don't know that you're going to see all three of those guys being fantasy relevant, but I think that you can lock and load Matt Ryan as your QB one or two. Obviously, Julio is one of, if not the best wide receivers in the game. His floor is pretty much wide receiver five. On the other side of the ball, Kirk Cousins only attempted 10 passes. Uh, Dalvin, it was kind of the Dalvin Cook show, 21 carries for 111 yards, two touchdowns. He definitely looks healthy. I think that he is going to be a workhorse, RB1. You have no worries there. Uh, receiving corp, Adam Thielen, three catches for 43 yards and a touchdown. Stephon Diggs was limited in practice, and anytime he's limited, he does tend to be limited on the field as well. Two catches for 37 yards. Shouldn't it be too bad going forward? I think if you own either of those two wide receivers, you're probably feeling okay going into week two. Next game here is going to be the Bills' comeback win over the Jets, 17-16. Let the record show that Christian did believe that Sam Darnold would light up the Bills' defense. He did end up having 28 for 41 with 175. Josh Allen, obviously the running ability, comes in. 10 rushes for 38 yards and a touchdown. Did add in another one through the air. The benefit to fantasy owners here, Devin Singletary, four carries for 70 yards on the field for 70% of snaps. TJ Yeldon, only four. Randy, to me, I believe that Devin Singletary is clearly the running back to start in this backfield, and Frank Gore is the backup. Are, are you kind of under the same wavelength there? Yeah, of course. Uh, he had a pretty good outing with getting really limited touches. He's very productive. It it could happen in the future that Allen still runs more than him somehow, but I would expect Singletary to get more than four carries. And if he gets 70 yards on that, imagine when he gets 16, 18. The nice thing about Allen, too, is it does look like he wasn't just primarily targeting the deep ball like he has in the past. It did seem like he was trying to go underneath. Cole Beasley probably is a benefit to that. Five catches for 40 yards. The big story in that receiving core was John Brown. Seven for 123 and a touchdown. I think that you can feel safe playing him as a wide receiver three flex play with a little bit of upside. Could possibly get into wide receiver two status. Jameson Crowder for the Jets somewhat played a, the Adam Gase Jarvis Landry role. He had 14 catches for 99 yards on 17 targets. A lot of uh, waiver wires were filled with him before week one ended, and now he is he was picked up. I think that his floor is probably wide receiver three. Um, Robbie Anderson will have better days, three for 23. Sam Darnold did miss him on a couple deep balls. Um, and just keep an eye on Chris Herndon. He is out until week five, but for those of you that need some tight end help, he could be a guy moving forward. He had been very, very successful when he was on the field last year, and I think that's going to continue with Sam Darnold looking for somewhat of a safety net. And I think that what we saw in the preseason, just the limited time that Herndon was out there, um, I think you can rely on him and you can start him up probably week five. Chiefs over the Jags here in our next game, 40-26. to 26. Pat Mahomes had a typical Pat Mahomes game, 25 for 33. Three touchdowns, did leave briefly with an ankle issue, but did practice today on Wednesday. Shouldn't be any problems uh, playing on Sunday. Sammy Watkins with the huge game, 9 for 198 and 3. He was wide open for a couple of those touchdowns, but 
personally, I believe that he has cemented top 15 wide receiver status here um, going forward with no Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill expected to miss anywhere from four to six weeks. I do think this is also a bump for Meikle Hardman. He was drafted to play somewhat of the Tyreek Hill role when they weren't sure if he was going to be suspended. I think that he could be a waiver wire pickup and possibly a start this week. Randy, do you believe at all in Meikle Hardman's value? Yeah, I think it's impossible not to believe in his value with Hill out just because of pure target numbers. He's going to get some volume. The, the danger just comes out when people expect him to be Tyreek Hill because he's not, and he could develop into that sometime. He's super fast, but his explosion in the preseason was on end arounds and quick screens. I mean, he's going to get touches, though. And looking at the Jaguars, Nick Foles did leave the game with a broken clavicle. Uh, surgery on Monday, he was placed on IR with a designation to return. It was the Gardner Minshew show. 22 for 25, 275, and 2. Christian, any interest in Gardner Minshew as a possible streamer, or is he more of a quarterback too? Um, I think for now you've got to leave him as a streamer. If you're in a deep league, um, for example, I'm in the Dynasty League, I'm targeting Gardner Minshew. I think from what we saw in the preseason from him to his record-breaking day on Sunday when he came in and completed, I think, his first 11 passes, um, he looks good. He looks like one of the best rookies um, this year. I know he's the only one that's seen the field in a regular season game, but um, I definitely would be streaming him um, if that's what you're doing at quarterback and targeting him in deep leagues. Leonard Fournette's production was there. Uh, he did have 13 carries for 66 yards. Uh, one other thing to note, D.D. Westbrook, with only five catches for 30 yards, I do think going forward, Gardner Minshew does look for him in the slot. I don't think that D.J. Sharks four for 146 is sustainable. And Chris Conley is probably the third best wide receiver on that team, so I wouldn't be worried about him either. Next game we'll move on to is the Titans or the Browns in somewhat of a shocking upset. Uh, Browns were a six-point favorite. Titans did end up winning 43-13. to uh, Derrick Henry, I think, was the story in this one for the Titans. 18 carries for 84 yards and a touchdown, along with a 75-yard screen from Mariota on a definitely well-designed play. Uh, looking at the wide receiver target share, A.J. Brown, three catches for 100 yards with only four targets. He was on the field for 43% of their snaps. Uh Randy, has he kind of take, overtaken Corey Davis, even though it's only one week, as the primary wide receiver for Marcus Mariota? I don't think so. He was wide open, unfortunately, on so many. I mean, he had three catches. It's not like he was a target monster. Obviously, Corey Davis didn't get anything, but I think that may have been more of a product of the Browns for some reason focusing on him. But I, I think they're... Honestly, with him being even a rookie, I think they're about the same level right now, though. Uh, I think Delaney Walker is Mariota's consistent guy. I do think one thing that you have to keep in mind also was Adam Humphreys did only have one catch for five yards. I think that he is still a PPR floor play, and he does hold some value. I think when the Titans are in closer games, he's going to be targeted on the short side of the field. 
looking at the Browns, Baker was not good, 25 for 38, 285 with three interceptions along with one touchdown. I think that was somewhat of a representation of how bad the play calling looked in week one and the offensive line. Baker was not good, but I think those factors were there as well. Christian, Nick Chubb with 70 carries for only 75 yards and added in three catches. Do you think he's still safe as a uh, top 12 running back, or are you kind of tempering expectations with him? I think he's safe as a top 12 running back. I think that, as you said, that was a lot of the game script. I think that the Browns are going to understand that they need to get Chubb the ball. Um, I know they have a lot of toys to play with, and OBJ, Landry, and Joku, Higgins, all of the above, but um, I think that Chubb's going to get fed on the Monday night game against the Jets, and uh, hopefully he produces. Um, he, he still had a really good game. Uh, it's not obviously what you expected, but that Titans defense was coming in very underrated. Um, I think the six-point Browns favorite was uh, maybe not as warranted as it should have been. I, I think that too many people were on the Browns hype train. And all three of us were. Um, let the record show that all three of us are Browns fans, and it kills us to talk about this like this. But, uh, yeah. Definitely better days ahead for the Browns, I believe. I think they're going to come out and play much better in week two. Uh, only other note here, Jarvis Landry, four catches for 67 yards, did add in a 10-yard rush. I think he can be a wide receiver three given the right matchup. I'm not sure if he's going to have the same wide receiver two value that he held last year. I think Richard Higgins is going to play a role. He did get hurt after the first drive, was in and out of the game. But going forward, I think that he is an option as well if you're in a deep league and are looking for wide receivers. Ravens-Dolphins. Dolphins did not look like they cared. Lamar, 324 <laughs> yards, didn't even look like five touchdowns. <laughs> I, were they, only, they might have only been playing eight guys on defense. <laughs> Lamar Jackson with 324 and five. Uh, he did look like he had a day and a half to throw that uh, there was no Dolphins pass rush to speak of. Guys getting wide open. Marquise Brown, wide open twice, middle of the field. Christian could have probably made those throws. Uh, Mark Ingram, I think, is the story here. 14 for 107 and 2. A lot of people going into the year were wondering what his role would be. There's not really much competition with the rookie Justice Hill not being up to speed yet and the ever-present Gus Edwards. Christian, I know you have Mark Ingram in a league or two. How'd you, did, were you positively, pleasantly surprised about that value? Um, yes and no. I mean, the, like we said, the Dolphins didn't even look like they were playing and it looked like they had eight guys out there. Um, I think Ingram's touchdown value is definitely up there because despite the fact that the Dolphins were awful, the Ravens are going to have a really good offense, so I think that Ingram is going to get those touchdowns. Um, I don't think that he's going to be as efficient as he was in this game, simply because he'll play a real NFL defense. Uh, hopefully the Dolphins get relegated to the XFL sometime soon, but uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm happy as the Mark Ingram owner right now. I'll probably have a different opinion next week. And also keep in mind, while Marquise Brown did have the two touchdowns, he did only have 12 snaps played. So while he's going to be a popular waiver wire pickup, I would probably give it another week just to see how well he does when it's a closer game. Randy, any interest of anybody on the Dolphins? No. 
All right, moving on. Plain and simple. Redskins, Eagles. Redskins did lead in the first half. Philly did have a comeback, won this game 32-27. Case Keenum was decent, 380 yards, three touchdowns. AP with a surprising inactive, but Darius Geist did struggle on the ground, 10 carries for 18 yards. It was revealed that he had a meniscus injury. He is expected to miss up to four weeks. Jay Gruden did announce today that AP will be the starter for week two. Randy, would you start AP as a, as a running back too, or are you looking at him as more of a flex play? Uh, I, w- I would definitely say more of a flex play. Obviously, AP wasn't happy with being inactive. Usually that means he leaves town. So I, I don't know what the relationship is right now. But if he's getting all the carries pretty much, he's going to be good. More like an RB3 flex play. I think Thompson may be the more valuable guy because he's way more useful in the passing game. I'd probably look for him for the waiver wire. Yeah, I think that the obviously the passing value with Thompson could probably bring him up to flex conversation. I'm not sure if I trust him as a running back, too, just given the fact that I think the Redskins are going to be chasing. But Terry McLaurin will, did kind of have himself a coming out party, 5 for 125 and 1. I do think he is going to be a major part of that offense, which somewhat hurts Chris Thompson's value. Carson Wentz for the Eagles, 313 yards, three touchdowns, did look locked in there in the second half. I think the uh, backfield to note here with Miles Sanders, 11 carries for 25 yards. Jordan Howard, six carries for 44. Darren Sproles did add in nine carries for 47. But Miles Sanders was on the field for 48% of snaps. As a Miles Sanders owner in a couple of leagues, I think that's encouraging. And it's hard to say that he's not the best running back in that offense. Uh, I think Doug Peterson, while he does enjoy using the running back by committee a little bit, it's hard to keep Sanders on the bench given what he can bring to that offense. Deshaun Jackson got loose a couple times, eight for 154 and two. I would say that he is a wide receiver three, but no more than that because he is so hit or miss and boomer bust type play. Rams Panthers. Both quarterbacks did not really play well. Jared Goff, 186 from one touchdown, one interception. Cam at 239 with no touchdowns and an interception. Uh, Only three rushes on his end. I think the worry for fantasy owners here was the fact that Todd Gurley, 14 carries for 97 yards. But Malcolm Brown with 11 carries for 53 yards and did add in two touchdowns. Christian, I know you're a Malcolm Brown truther. Do you think going forward he has standalone value, or is he merely a handcuff? Uh, I think he has more standalone value than Daryl Henderson. Uh, So if you have Daryl Henderson taking up a spot on your bench and you're in a a, a smaller league, I think you can drop him. Um, Malcolm Brown looked like the goal line back. I mean, he got all the goal line touches. I think that was designed. I think that's how they're going to attempt to keep Gurley healthy. And I definitely think that Malcolm Brown could be a flex play or an RB3 type of guy. Um, I'm very interested to see week two. If Malcolm Brown comes out and gets the goal line carries again and has another two touchdowns, I think Gurley owners should be extremely worried. And for a lot of Gurley owners, I know that they were debating on rostering either Daryl Henderson or Malcolm Brown. Like you said, you could probably drop Daryl Henderson. Go pick up Malcolm Brown if he's still out there. The three-headed monster at receiver for the Rams was 
somewhat of a two-headed monster in this one. Robert Woods, eight for 70, and Cooper Cup seven catches for 46 yards. They did combine for 23 targets. I think that Robert Woods is clearly the wide receiver one on this team. Jared Goff is primarily looking to him with Cooper Cup in a close second. Randy, Brandon Cooks at most the wide receiver too. Yeah, but that's what he always is. He's going to have, just like we had with Deshaun Jackson, he's going to have those amazing games and he's going to have this. That's what it's going to be. And Jared Cook's going to look better, or Jared Goff, sorry, he's going to look a lot better. Uh, I don't, this is what he is. I mean, this is exactly how it's going to play out through the year. I hope Jared Cook looks better too. He I do too. We'll, <laughs> we will get to that, boys. One other thing to note, Curtis Samuel, quiet three catches for 32 yards. I do think that as the season goes on, he will be targeted more by Cam. Keep an eye on him this Thursday night against that Tampa Bay secondary. It could possibly be a breakout game for Curtis Samuel. Uh, the 4 o'clock games, we had Colts uh, keeping it close versus the Chargers. The Chargers did were able to squeak that one out. Jacoby Brissett, 190 yards, two touchdowns. I personally like him as a quarterback, too, for uh, two quarterback or super flex leagues. If you want to keep him on your bench in a one-quarterback league as a backup, I'm okay with that. Marlon Mack, 25 carries, 174, and a touchdown with a 63-yard touchdown in the second half. I know that during draft season, I didn't have many shares of Marlon Mack because once Luck announced his retirement, I was worried that his value somewhat plummeted. Randy, would you say that Marlon Mack is still uh, running back too? Yeah, I, I think he's, they told us all preseason, he's their guy, he's going to be used all three downs. I mean, I just think Naeem Hines' value plummeted at this point. I, I'd like to see a little bit more balance from them just because Mack does have some injury concerns, but... He looked great. I mean, it is one big run helped out his total, but he still have 100 yards probably. Yeah, I would probably say that if he can put up, if he can put 20 to 25 carries every game, obviously he's going to be very valuable. Especially um, behind that line. My yeah. I would, if I was ever in a bar fight, I think Quentin Nelson would probably be the first person I called. Devin Funches did leave the game with a broken collarbone. Keep an eye on Deion Kane. The Colts love this guy. He was drafted in the second round. He is someone that is coming off an injury, but he could very well be the second receiver for the Indianapolis Colts and hold some value, possibly as a wide receiver three for the rest of the year. On the Chargers' side, Austin Eckler was the big story in this one. 12 carries for 58 yards and a touchdown, adding in six catches for 96 yards and two through the air. I somewhat stayed away from Eckler during draft season as well. I'm kind of regretting that now because I personally don't believe Melvin Gordon plays this year, and I think that Austin Eckler could possibly finish top 10 given the right situation. Uh, Christian, any note of Justin Jackson? I think he looked good in his limited time, but I also think that Austin Eckler looked like the second coming of Jesus, so I don't know how much time Justin Jackson is going to get, um, and I don't think he really showed anything that would steal snaps away from Austin Eckler. Um, 
like you said, I think Austin Eckler has top 10 value this year if Melvin Gordon stays away from the team. Um, I'm not positive that that's going to happen. I, I think Melvin Gordon plays this year. I kind of think he gets traded. And if he gets traded, Austin Eckler's in for a big payday. So I, I don't think I would roster Jackson. I don't know how much standalone value he has, but he is a good handcuff for now. If you're a Austin Eckler owner, I would definitely try to own Justin Jackson as well. It was uh, broken today that Hunter Henry does have a patella injury, and he is going to be out for multiple weeks, was not placed on IR. Uh, for those of you that are possibly looking for tight end options now that waivers have kind of run through, I'd say keep an eye on the Colts tight ends of Eric Ebron and Jack Doyle to see who gets the red zone targets with no Devin's punches. Also, real quick, I think that is a knock up for Mike Williams if he is healthy. Um, I know he left the game with a leg injury. Um, it didn't look very good, but the x-rays came back negative. I think with someone who's 6'5 and, and is such a big red zone target, I think Mike Williams has a little bit more value now. Bengals with a surprising week one performance. They were, they did fall victim to the Seahawks, 21-20. Andy Dalton, a little blast from the past, 418 yards, two touchdowns on 51 attempts. Joe Mixon did leave the game with an ankle injury and did not return. Randy, if Joe Mixon were to miss week two, where would you have Giovanni Bernard? Uh, running back two. We saw it last year when Mixon was out. Gio was amazing. They don't really have much else behind them because everyone else is, all their rookies are hurt or not useful right now. So it's going to be his show, with, especially with A.J. Green out. They need a good running back. John Ross was definitely a benefit of Zach Taylor's offense in week one, seven catches for 150 yards and two touchdowns. Keep an eye on him moving forward. I would say he's at best, or I'm sorry, at least a wide receiver three until A.J. Green comes back, then I don't think you want any shares of a third receiver on the Bengals there. I'll actually disagree with that really quick. Um, so I actually rewatched this game. Um, it's Wednesday by now, so I had time to do so. Um, the Bengals' offense was probably the most surprising thing that I had seen. I think that um, <clears throat> the the new offense there is definitely not a Marvin Lewis offense, and I think that John Ross is going to hold that value. I could be wrong, but I also think that A.J. Green might be on the backside of his career. Well, he's definitely on the backside of his career, but I think that his value definitely is lessened if John Ross shows out the way he did. It'll definitely be an interesting scenario with John Ross, Tyler Boyd, and A.J. Green once he's back in the fold. Chris Carson, 15 carries for 46 yards and a touchdown. Six receptions for 35 yards. I'd say that's probably the most encouraging sign was that going into the year, Pete Carroll was saying that they would like to get Chris Carson 50 touches, 50 receptions. I think that's possible. If barring injury and he plays all 16, that's definitely something in the cards. DK Metcalf in his first game as a Seahawk, four catches for 89 yards. Tyler Lockett was bottled up for one catch, 44 yards, and a touchdown. Randy, are you worried about Tyler Lockett, or are you still deploying him as a wide receiver, too? 
Uh, I mean, this showed some concerns, but I think only throwing 20 times for Wilson paired with them focusing heavily on Lockett, not trusting Metcalf's style. I think he still came in with the catch. All he needed to salvage the day. I think you got to go going forward. He's going to have at least four or five catches a game. And if he's getting 30, 40 a catch, that's going to be godly. Giants over the Cowboys, 35 to 17. Eli with 306 yards and one touchdown. Obviously, Saquon is the guy you want to own in that offense. He did have 11 carries for 120 yards, adding in four catches for 19. Wayne Gallman did vulture a touchdown from him. Evan Ingram was the other player with a big game. 11 catches for 116 yards and a touchdown. I would say that Evan Ingram could end up as the tight end one over Travis Kelsey and George Kittle. Christian, where would you have Ingram ranked among those three? I mean, right now, I think he's got to be three, right? I mean, he's on a really bad offense. <clears throat> um, excuse me. Um, Kittle got two touchdowns called back. Kelsey's going to get an uptick from Tyree Kill being out. So I think right now he's still three out of that group. But, I mean, like you said, he could end up the tight end one. And, and that would be awesome for Evan Ingram owners like myself. <laughs> Dak. Dak did torch that, G, that giant secondary, 25 for 32, with 405 yards and four touchdowns. Randy, Dak, quarterback one the rest of the year? Uh, not every game. He's not going to be. Uh, these next few, he, I mean, he had one of the best opening schedules in the league. He's going to torch for the next two games at least, and I, I expect a little bit of downtick here and there, but he's got the rushing floor. He's got... Michael Gallup, who's improved, it's going to be good. And once Zeke gets back into that offense in full force, obviously they're going to attempt to feed him anywhere from 25 to 30 touches a game. He did have 13 carries for 53, and this one was a touchdown. Keep an eye on Michael Gallup. If he is on your waiver wire, go get him now. I know I missed out on that in one of my leagues. I wasn't even aware that he was available. Seven for 158 on seven targets. I think that this is the second-year jump that – people were expecting out of him and he could possibly be a wide receiver too given the right matchup 49ers and the Buccaneers uh that game was something Bleh. 30 31 17 San Francisco as Randy stated George Kittle did have two touchdowns called back due to penalties Jimmy G off the ACL tear 160 yards a touchdown and a pick Notes in this one, Tevin Coleman did leave the game in the second quarter with a high ankle sprain, did not return. Word is he should be week to week. Matt Breida was a popular pickup, popular start, I'm guessing, this week. Christian, would you trust Matt Breida as anything more than a flex play? Well, I just traded him to Randy, so I hope he's not anything more than a flex play. But <laughs> um I think that he does hold value. Um, he's not the pass catcher that Tevin Coleman is, um, but neither really is Raheem Mostert. So I think that the offense takes a hit with Tevin Coleman out, and I don't know how many games the 49ers are going to be running the clock out with Matt Burita. So I think he's a solid flex play, especially while Tevin Coleman's out, but I don't think that you want him as your RB1 or 2. I 
think that given the right matchup with no Coleman, Breida could possibly be an RB2, but it has been shown in the past that San Francisco does not trust him as a workhorse back. I think they're definitely working uh, Raheem Mostert. And Jeff Wilson could possibly come off the practice squad and eat into the value a little bit there. On the Buccaneers' side of the ball, Jameis did struggle, 194, three interceptions, one touchdown. There was a flu bug going around the Buccaneers going into this game, and it showed, especially with Mike Evans, two catches for 28 yards on five targets. You start your Mike Evans if you have Mike Evans. You're not worried about this game. Tomorrow night, he should be a great play against the Panthers. Chris Godwin did solid his day with the touchdown, three catches for 53 yards. And O.J. Howard, four catches for 32 yards with a drop. O.J. Howard is a top-five tight end. Given the tight end landscape, I don't think that changes. The 49ers defense did look good, so keep an eye on them as a streaming defense going forward. Next game here, Lions over the Cardinals. And this one was very interesting as it ended in a tie. Arizona looked terrible up until the fourth quarter. Matthew Stafford, 385 yards and three touchdowns. Randy, I'm okay with streaming him given the right matchup. Would you agree with that? Yeah, he's a solid QB, too. He's, this is probably his ceiling through the year. Uh, Kirion's not going to have this bad a game. It was obvious it was going to be a timeshare from the get-go, especially when they brought in C.J. Anderson. But he's definitely the pass-catching guy. It, I mean, he Stafford's going to be a QB, too, all year, and it's, it's how it's going to be. I'll tell you what. I don't know what Matt Patricia has against Kerryon Johnson, but there is no one in their right minds that would think that C.J. Anderson is a talent, more talented back than Kerryon. No. Kenny Galladay, four catches for 42 yards and a touchdown, had nine targets. Marvin Jones, four for 56. Christian, does Danny Amendola, seven for 104 and a touchdown, mean anything to you, or do you think it was just a product of the game itself? I mean, it was definitely shocking um, with Kenny Galladay only getting four catches. Uh, that's not really what I expected out of this offense, but... I mean, I'm interested to see how it plays out week two. Uh, Amendola was looked at a lot more than, than anyone could have expected, so I think you should watch that. He might be a good waiver pickup week two. 13 targets from Matthew Stafford there. Kyler Murray, 308 yards on 54 passes, two touchdowns and an interception, the majority of which came in the fourth quarter. I know that there were a lot of people that were excited about Kyler's potential in the Cliffs Kingsbury raid offense, me included. Uh, David Johnson did benefit from that. 18 carries for 82 yards and six catches for 55 yards and a touchdown. I think that's very helpful as a owner who put, took him over Elliott. He's not going to be the top-end talent that Zeke is, but if you can get that kind of production out of him, uh, you'll take that every week. Larry Fitzgerald playing like it's 2013. Eight catches for 113 yards and a touchdown on 13 targets. Christian Kirk did struggle to get things going with only four catches on 12 targets for 32 yards. Personally, I believe that Larry Fitzgerald did cement himself as Kyler's safety net and is a wide receiver one in that offense. Sunday night, Big Ben and the Steelers versus Tom Terrific and the Patriots. And there's not much to say about the Steelers' offense. Roethlisberger with 276 yards and an interception. James Conner, only 10 carries for 21 yards. 
Christian, are you worried about the Steelers' offense? Yes. Um, I'm worried about the play calling. I'm worried about how bad Big Ben looked. I know it was against the Patriots' defense. Obviously, they're the champions. They're always going to be the champions because they never seem to age. But Big Ben looked lost out there. He was throwing the ball to Don. Or I don't even know this guy's name because I'm so mad at this offense. Uh, Moncrief, that's who he was throwing to. Um, <laughs> but he dropped the ball 8 million times. Big Ben looked like he was 49 years old instead of however old that old fat piece of crap is. Um, obviously, you can tell I have Big Ben, Juju, and James Conner in the league, uh, and I'm not very happy about it, but... I think that James Conner is going to look a lot better week two. I think that Juju's going to get his. I did see that he popped up on the injury report, uh, but he's listed as probable for week two. So I'm crossing my fingers, but not too much that's promising there. Don't drop Vance McDonald yet. There are better days to come. Two catches for 40 yards, but I do think that Ben Roethlisberger is going to use him as the production between him and Jesse James last year was there. This was just a all-around poor performance. Tom Brady, 341 yards, three touchdowns. Used Julian Edelman. Edelman with six catches for 83 yards. Josh Gordon added in three for 73. Philip Dorsett somewhat stole the show for the receiving core, two touchdowns. I don't believe in him, especially now if they add A.B. into the fold. The news here was the fact that Sony Michelle did get 15 carries but had 14 yards. As a Sony Michelle owner that did take stock in him in the offseason, I think better days are ahead there as well. Randy, I think we'll get to that in a little bit. But James White, obviously a safe PPR play. Five receptions for 56 yards. You can start him as a running back too. Texans versus the Saints, which was which is what very well could be the game of the year. Drew Brees and Deshaun Watson both looked like top-end quarterbacks. Deshaun Watson, 20, 20 attempts, I'm sorry, 30 attempts, 20 completions for 268 yards and three touchdowns, adding in a touchdown on the ground with 40 total yards. Did take a hit on his touchdown run, but came back into the game after dealing with some back tightness. Uh, the interesting story here, Carlos Hyde and Duke Johnson with almost the same amount of carries. Carlos Hyde, 10 carries for 83 yards. Duke with 9 for 57. Duke did break off a 30-yard run in the fourth quarter. Carlos Hyde looked good. He looked elusive. He looked like he could make some guys miss. He was able to get out to the edge a couple times. DeAndre Hopkins did what DeAndre Hopkins does, eight catches for 111 yards and two touchdowns, along with a pile drive on an interception. Kenny Stills, Randy, does he hold any value with his three catches for 37 yards and a touchdown, or do you think Will Fuller is still the second wide receiver in that offense? Will Fuller still definitely is the second wide receiver. Him and Deshaun, Jackson, Deshaun Watson have just this weird connection that since day one, they love each other. If Fuller can stay on the field, Stills isn't going to be as relevant, especially when Kiki comes back healthy. Uh, but we both know how injury-prone both of those two are. So if either of them are out, Stills comes probably a flex play every week. Will Fuller, definitely the downfield uh, option in that offense. Drew Brees, 
It doesn't look like he aged a bit. 32 for 43 with 370 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, He did everything he could to bring the Saints back, and Will Lutz was able to reward him with a 57-yard kick to ice it at the end of the game. Alvin Kamara looked great, 13 for 97, including an unbelievable run in the fourth quarter when the Saints were trying to ice the game away. Did add seven catches for 72 yards through the air. Christian, Latavius Murray, does he offer any value as an RB3, or would you say he's more of a top-end RB4? Um, I would say at most top-end RB4. I don't know what diet plan he was on, but he looked like a completely different player out there. The problem I have with him is he only had six carries. Yes, he broke off for a 30-yard run, but you take away that 30-yard run, and he's averaging, what, a little over two yards per carry. So um, he didn't look great, and Kamara got all the work. So I don't think you really want to load up Latavius into your lineups. Michael Thomas, uh, 10 catches for 100. Hold on. So one thing I'd like to add to that is this isn't a typical Saints game script. They're going to be up in most of their games. And last year, that was the Ingram role. Once they're up, Ingram shoves it down their throat and finishes the game. I don't think Murray can do that exact same thing. He's not the same back, but they're going to try. I, I, I mean, if there's a good game script coming up, I wouldn't be scared putting him in the flex. But you have to realize you're probably going to need a touchdown for him to be super valuable there. I, I could see that, yeah, for sure. Yep, so one other thing to note here, Ted Ginn, seven catches for 107 yards. I do think that was a product of the Saints having to come back here. Keep an eye on him, though, moving forward. He could possibly be someone you add and use as a flex play, given the right matchup in leagues that have more than one flex. Last game on the docket here, Broncos, Raiders. It was the Josh Jacobs coming out party. Raiders 24-16 over the Broncos. Josh Jacobs had 23 carries for 85 yards and two touchdowns. Christian, I know you're happy about that as he kind of ran rough shot over me in the Dynasty League. Do you think he's an RB1 this year? No. Um I think that that Raiders offensive line got a little beat up in the game, too, and I think that I am hesitant to start him this week. I don't really have many other options because of the the draft capital that I spent on Josh Jacobs. Um, I think that he's a, a surefire RB2, um, but there could be weeks that he finishes RB3 or 4, and it's going to be pretty disappointing. Um, I think that the Broncos are so bad, too, that... That's the reason he got two touchdowns. I'd like to interject one thing. Their line did look a little bit beat up, but you got to remember that they were beat up coming in. They're missing both starting guards, and they still dominated a very good Broncos defensive line. I, I think part of that too to was, I think part of that too was Derek Carr did attempt to get the ball out quickly. He was not holding it for very long. It was quick passes on both sides. Hunter Renfro, two catches for 13 yards. I think he's someone that for now you could probably leave on waivers. Tyrell Williams, six for 105 and one. He is looking like the clear wide receiver one in that offense. And for those of you that have not heard the name Darren Waller, please go pick him up if he's available. He is going to be a top 12 tight end the rest of the year with the way John Gruden wants to run that offense. On the Broncos, 
Peyton Lindsey had a decent game, 11 carries for 43 yards, did add in four catches. Royce Freeman, 10 carries for 56. Personally, I think Royce Freeman looked like the better running back. I think he showed a little bit of speed. He was able to get out on the edge. Christian, would you still take Peyton Lindsey over Royce Freeman? I don't know who Peyton Lindsey is, but definitely wouldn't take <laughs> Philip Lindsey. Um, no, I'm actually a Royce Freeman truther. I think that Royce Freeman got a little beat up last year, and he didn't really get the work that I think that he may have deserved. Philip Lindsay did shock the world last year, um, but I don't think that's sustainable. I I know we had a conversation. I think Philip Lindsay is a, a worse Duke Johnson, and that's not something that you really want um, starting as your RB1 or 2 each week. I stayed away from Lindsay in all my drafts, and I'm kind of glad I did after seeing that first game. Emmanuel Sanders was a little bit quiet in the first half, but once he got his feet out under him, he was very good in the second half, did catch a touchdown. And Cortland Sutton, seven catches for 120 yards. I think he could possibly be a wide receiver three moving forward, given um, Joe Flacco's propensity to throw short balls. And that'll do it for our week one NFL recap. Stay tuned for week two coming next week. One other segment we'll get to here is our week two must starts. These are guys that two guys per that Christian, Randy, and I all believe are going to have great week twos. Christian, why don't we start with you? Who's your first must start? So I want to actually talk about Michael Gallup. Um, I know we talked about him a little bit earlier. He was sensational. Um, he was targeted seven times. He was a perfect seven for seven for over 150 yards. He ended up the wide receiver 15 in a week where wide receivers dominated. And it wasn't the traditional domination. It was Deshaun Jackson and, and Malcolm Brown and Terry McLaurin. So I think that him finishing as a wide receiver 15 was super promising. Uh, another thing, um, this was against the Giants. I get the concerns. The Giants aren't going to be good. The Giants don't have a good secondary. They don't have really a good anything except for Saquon Barkley and Evan Ingram. Um, but I am here to tell you not to worry. He has the Redskins this week. Uh, I just mentioned Deshaun Jackson. He just lit him up. Michael Gallup looked better than Deshaun Jackson. Um, so I think that the Redskins are definitely going to have trouble containing both Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup, and I'm starting Michael Gallup in any league that I have him. Uh, yeah, my first advice, just it's week one. Breathe. Just breathe. <laughs> we read and react, and we capitalize on the owners that don't. There's going to be people that are willing to trade. People like my guy here, Sony Michelle. You don't need to tilt trade. Don't <laughs> tilt trade, please. Unless you're in my league, then please do. <laughs> um, Sony's going to have. He had the most touches. Uh, I expect the in, the uptake and pass the game this year. He is so talented. When he's healthy, he is dominant. We saw that in the playoffs. Steelers sold out all first half to stop him from doing anything, and we saw what happened there. <laughs> it was absolute destruction in the passing game, and the Pats are only going to get better in that regard. They're going to be killing the clock with Sony down the stretch. He's probably going to have 15 touchdowns this year. He's, he's going to be a guy that you're going to love in your RB2 slot for sure. So 
please just breathe and play the good matchups. They were playing the Dolphins, who look <laughs> like a JV team. Please, 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 Mark Ingram, destroy these guys. Sonny Michelle is so much better. Please play Sonny Michelle. Debatable. Debatable. <laughs> I know he's your favorite running back. I know he's your favorite running back, but calm down. You're welcome for the jersey. <laughs> Wearing it right now. Someone who definitely benefited from that JV team in week one was Lamar Jackson. A lot of hype going into this season for Lamar, but people were worried that he couldn't throw from the pocket. You heard him say after the game, it's his stats were pretty good for a running back. He did have 324 yards on t- only 20 passes, which you'll t- and you'll take the five touchdowns every day of the week, but that production is outstanding. The with the question of his pocket passing per ESPN, he did become the only quarterback in Ravens history to have a perfect passer rating. And I don't think that changes. I think moving forward, Lamar is only going to get better. His weapons are going to get healthier. He's got guys like Mark Andrews, Marquise Brown, Willie Sneed, Miles Boykin. And then if he can benefit off the run game of Mark Ingram, he is going to be a top play this year and now he gets a Cardinals secondary at home who just gave up 385 yards and three touchdowns to Matthew Stafford and the Lions start your Lamar Jacksons awesome yeah I definitely agree with all that um, my second guy uh, at must start is John Brown um, the guy had 10 targets he was on the field for 86 percent of snaps he ended up finding the end zone and having 123 yards. Um, it was very clear that he is Josh Allen's favorite target. We kind of got a little taste of that in the preseason, but it was definitely cemented here against a pretty good Jets defense. Um, he finished as a top 12 wide receiver in PPR, and he still held value in standard scoring leagues. Uh, just a quick note, standard is PPR from now on. If you don't play PPR, you're crazy. Um, change it. Change it. Yeah. yeah, complain to your commissioner. If you're the commissioner, complain to yourself. Um, so this week, John Brown has the Giants secondary that just got pulverized by Kellen Moore's new uh, Cowboys offense. I know that the Cowboys offense is significantly better than the Bills, um, but I think that if you slide John Brown into your wide receiver two or flex, you are going to be very happy. And my last guy, Matt Breida. We talked about him earlier. Uh, these guys put out a little bit of concern about his usage last year. Remember, he was hurt every single game last year. He is going to get at least 70% of the workload, including all the passing downs. It seems like with Coleman out, Breida's a must start. I don't care where you put him. I don't care if it's a flex or an RB2. He is a must start. He's got a great matchup this week against the Bengals, who looked good with the new offense there. He's going to be used a ton, and he's going to be perfect. The only other thing I'd say, please focus on the Patriots-Dolphins for all the Patriots and focus both sides of the ball for the Chiefs-Raiders. Chiefs defense looked awful. Raiders defense looked okay, but lost two secondary players. It's going to be explosive. It's a good thing Gary on Conley's okay, though. Yes, thank you, Jesus. Yeah, that did not look good. (laughs) Yes. Who said Zeke is the most important part of that Cowboys offense? Well, probably all of us. 
but the Dak attack, <laughs> the Dak attack was back in full force week one, absolutely torching the Giants' secondary in route to 405 yards and four touchdowns. He looked every bit to feed off of Kellen Moore's offense, and I think that's going to continue in week two. Him and Amari Cooper seem to have a love connection ever since he got there from the Raiders last year. And now that Michael Gallup looks like he had taken the second-year step up for a wide receiver with Zeke in the backfield, I think this offense is unbelievably dangerous. Dak, he's surrounded by weapons. He also has the ageless Jason Witten. And he's going against a Redskins secondary that just gave over up over 300 yards to Carson Wentz. Like we said before, Carson Wentz did look locked in. I think Dak gets locked in again week two. And I think that you're very satisfied with his production at the end of the week. That'll do it for our must-starts for week two. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We really appreciate all of your support. Go ahead and follow us on Twitter at TheCutFFL. Follow myself at SWARD underscore 12, Christian at 40 underscore Williams, and Randy at... Randy, what's yours? (laughs) (laughs) What do you know? Christian's not mine. Uh, (laughs) It's at Randy underscore Hall 71 because I'm super basic. And stay with us, everybody. We will get better. Uh, I will learn that Philip Lindsay exists and Peyton Lindsay does not. <laughs> he may. I don't know who he is, but he may. He's definitely not no, in the I NFL. Looked, I, I looked it up. He doesn't. Anything else to add, guys, before we get out of here? Uh, just real quick, thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, I'm sorry if it, it doesn't sound too great in your headphones or in your car stereo. Uh, we'll work on the sound. Um, this is our first podcast. We're only going to get better in that aspect as well. So uh, thanks for listening. Make sure you tell your friends. Um, if, if you liked what you heard, we're definitely going to be giving you the best mediocre fantasy advice around. So uh, st- stick with us. All right, everybody. So that'll do it. For Christian and Randy, I'm Sean. Rest in peace to Fred McLeod. We gone.